Welcome, welcome everyone. Super excited to have you here today. As always, big things happening in the cryptocurrency space. We have new speculation from Mike Novogratz about how soon we could actually see a Bitcoin ETF, a spot Bitcoin ETF, obviously. Also some interesting Bitcoin price news to share, some interesting Ethereum data I want to share with you, and a word of warning from a former Dogecoin millionaire, now a Dogecoin five-figure guy, not a six-figure guy or seven-figure guy anymore. It's crazy, crazy story in terms of being a cautionary tale and something that's happened to too many people and something you don't want to repeat next cycle. Of course, shout out to everybody joining this live conversation here on uh, YouTube or X. And of course, if you are joining the conversation later over on the Apple podcast or the Spotify podcast, shout out as well. So let's just dive straight into this topic. There's a lot to cover today. And of course, then as always, we'll do a Q&A session at the end. So make sure to stick around for that. I always love answering your questions. You guys come up with the greatest, greatest stuff to talk about. So it's one of the things I always look most forward to in our conversations. Anyway, let's talk about the price of Bitcoin, guys. What is going on with the price of Bitcoin today? Well, well, Bitcoin had a little bit of sell-off this morning down to $26,000, a key area of uh, price support for us. As we can see here, it's kind of been the average price of Bitcoin approximately since August 17th when we had the big sell-off. Bitcoin's kind of just been flatlining essentially across. I know we've had pumps up and we've had dumps under, but that's been kind of like the average price for the past six weeks. Very low volatility moment once again. I know we've had some little moves up, some little moves down, but Nothing too crazy. We had our breakout attempt the other day where we saw Bitcoin rally above the 200-day exponential moving average, the 50-day exponential moving average. We stayed there for a whole of two days, and then we came back down. These rallies just cannot find strength, unfortunately. Too much macro fear happening right now that is just keeping everybody in the market really concerned, everybody in the market a bit freaked out, to be honest. So until we get some kind of resolution, some kind of big news announcements. Maybe it will be a Bitcoin ETF. More on that, of course, momentarily. But until then, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of uncertainty continuing in the market, a lot of people afraid to commit. And we still have plenty of stackers. People are still buying Bitcoin. The number of addresses holding more than one Bitcoin, hitting a new all-time high basically every single day right now. So you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind. However, this most recent sell-off for Bitcoin has confirmed our death cross. Da-da-da-da. It's here. It's here. The death cross is here, guys. So death cross is here. That does not necessarily mean the price is going to drop by 50%. Could, of course, but I don't think that's the most likely scenario. Considering where the death cross is happening in the cycle, if we were... After a massive run-up, a huge rally, which we've had a bit of rally, but nothing like a huge rally, then this would be a, perhaps a more worrying sign, although the macro backdrop does really cause concern more generally for all risk assets. MACD on the daily also, you zoom in there a little bit, you can see also getting close to confirming a bearish crossover. So there's that. There's that to watch out for. Definitely some things in the charts that are a bit of cause for concern, obviously. And we are at a very, very low moment of volatility, as Mac and BTC points out here. Bitcoin monthly volatility has never 
been this low. We are at the lowest volatility since they've started tracking it. It's crazy, crazy stuff here, guys. We're seeing wildly low volatility in the cryptocurrency markets. Bitcoin, for all intents and purposes, according to the mainstream, is dead right now. And of course, anybody actually paying attention when nobody else wants to pay attention is probably going to put themselves in an interesting position. I was actually just reading some Warren Buffett quotes earlier today. I know the things that I do in my spare time. Anyway, one of those uh, quotes I'm going to paraphrase here was, but it was approximately pay attention to quality assets when nobody else is paying attention to them. Kind of a, a bit of a playoff of his good old fashioned uh, buy when others are fearful and sell when others are, are greedy, essentially. Again, paraphrasing, not exactly how he worded it, but uh, there you go. Very, very low amount of volatility. Nobody's paying attention to Bitcoin, except for, of course, BlackRock and Fidelity and Invesco and Franklin Templeton and Bitwise and Deutsche Bank and Hong Kong and but other than that nobody the herd's not here the herd's not here we're all sitting around the watering hole watching the crocodiles eating some of the other gazelle and stuff like that and we've had a few new predators show up and those are of course BlackRock and Fidelity and Invesco and all these guys so some you know mega beefy powerful lions have showed up to the watering hole but they're not eating us right now nope they're just looking they're okay they're waiting for the easy prey to arrive they're waiting for the herd to arrive and that will come when the volatility returns I want to share this chart with you from cryptocon the amount of bitcoin held by short-term holders has now been reduced to a fine powder we can see in previous cycles 2012 2015 2019 when we had this very similar pattern of short-term holder supply for Bitcoin was actually near market bottoms. So something interesting and worth considering, our current pattern is getting pretty extreme, to be honest. This bear market we've been going through is definitely a tougher one on the basis of the macro scene being so damn uncertain right now so much concern and we've been covering those stories here on the channel i've making lots of videos for you guys about the yield curve the, the housing markets what's happening in china the real estate all, all these kind of stuffs right it's all very very important to keep an eye on all these things these are the big factors moving global markets and the cryptocurrency markets our magic internet money is far from immune to that in fact our magic internet money is on a far end of the risk spectrum but people keep stacking people keep stacking look at this here from uh bitcoin magazine 1.07 million Bitcoin is held in addresses with 0.1 up to 1 Bitcoin. That's small retail holders. That's just regular dudes or dudettes, whatever, holding Bitcoin. Because at 0.1 Bitcoin, you have, what, 2500 bucks invested? Approximately $2,600. It's pretty good. It's a nice amount of investment for the average person. You remember the average person. What's the statistic in America? Like 75% of people can't afford a $1,000 emergency. So if you have $2,500 of the Bitcoin, 0.1 BTC, I mean, congratulations, because you're going to have more Bitcoin than most people are ever going to have. So it's pretty impressive, actually, when you start to think about it. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, the total amount of addresses 
holding one Bitcoin or more is now at like 1,020,000, something like that approximately. I liked this chart here from a game of trades as well. It points out a very, very interesting and relevant point is that Bitcoin has never seen a back-to-back -back yearly red candle in its entire history. Now, very much worth pointing out, just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean something won't happen. This thing's not necessarily programmatic, right? But it's definitely interesting to consider when we start talking about Bitcoin four-year cycles and all these different things, will our Bitcoin four-year cycle hold out this time? Or is the macro too bad? Now, as we discussed the other day, um, recessions tend to come about 12 to 18 months, approximately 12 to 17 months after the Federal Reserve pauses interest rate hikes. Now, we're still expecting one more interest rate hike from the Fed. If that's the case, comes in November, then we're looking at, you know, blow off top sometime like late next year, potentially. We'll see how it goes, of course. Maybe it comes earlier uh, in terms of where we are in the Bitcoin halving cycle and all this stuff. And of course, how much is just the macro really leading all this? Is liquidity leading all of this? Because there's a lot of charts that I could show you that really show that what is really driving these cycles is the money supply more than anything. Bitcoin halving, very interestingly coinciding with all that stuff right now. Maybe the Bitcoin having just drives global markets, guys. No, it's the other way around, of course. But it's still interesting food for thought to think about how these cycles play out. Currently, though, unless we get a dramatic sell-off into the end of the year, which statistically, October, November, December are actually some of Bitcoin's best months. There are years when it's not been like that, but 8 out of 10 years... We have a good October, November, December for Bitcoin. So that makes it more likely that we're going to end the year with a green candle, not a red candle. What happens next year? Anyone's guess. But with Bitcoin ETFs coming and with uh, all the other factors coming here for Bitcoin to having all these different things, we have the good potential for another green year next year. Now, I want to share this with you. Because this is uh, what the title of today's video is based on regarding speculation around a Bitcoin ETF. I'm not going to play it for you, but we're just going to talk about the main points that Mike Novogratz made here. But he was at the mainnet conference and being asked about a Bitcoin ETF and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, um, I think they're working with Invesco, his company, Galaxy Digital, trying to get that Bitcoin ETF. So he says, we're going to get good news in October. That was his direct statement. We're going to get good news in October. Now, that is very, very interesting. Now, look, he's also said previously, it was about two months ago, that according to insiders that he knows, we're looking at four to six months um, before we get a Bitcoin ETF being approved. Are we going to see it as soon as October? Are we really that close to a Bitcoin ETF? It would certainly be a big deal if it happened. You know, a Bitcoin ETF gets approved in October. Then we start seeing it trading on the markets in like December. We see a huge rally up until that point, And then just, just dump it, dump it straight into the Bitcoin having, man. I could see that. I could see that for sure. We'll see. Is Mike Novogratz right? Does he really have the insider information? 
And are his insiders feeding him the right information? Do they have the, you know, insiders from insiders that are right? For example, very interesting idea, nevertheless. And I also like the point that he made as well in this conversation where he was talking about when the Bitcoin ETF gets approved, how actually fundamentally bullish it becomes. I don't think necessarily overnight. I'm sure we'll see a lot of Bitcoin come in almost overnight, but in terms of the real long-term impact, because he's saying you're going to have the sales teams of BlackRock, of Fidelity, of Invesco, of Franklin Templeton, and all these other companies picking up their phones, calling up their investors and saying, why don't you have Bitcoin yet? Here's all the numbers. Here's all the statistics. Here's how it outperforms other assets. Etc. 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 Here's what putting one percent, two percent, three percent. We've covered all these numbers here many times on the channel. But even just a one percent allocation to Bitcoin. So if you have sixty percent bonds, thirty nine percent stocks, and one percent Bitcoin, you outperform the guy with a sixty forty portfolio, six percent bonds, forty percent uh, stocks. If you take that allocation up to three or four or five percent, you dramatically outperform those guys while still taking low risks of your portfolio. It's pretty interesting when you start to dig into numbers. And I'm sure this is going to be part of the sales pitch from BlackRock's sales team, from Fidelity's sales team. And they're calling people up and saying, hey, did you know we have a Bitcoin ETF now? Would you like to put down $100,000? Boom. That's how it's going to work. So let me know what you think. Is Mike Novogratz really knowing what's going on here? Does he have the inside source? Is October going to be the month where we actually see a Bitcoin ETF getting approved? We shall see. We shall see. Now, I'm not going to um, count my chickens before they hatch, obviously. But it is worth reminding ourselves that the next deadline for the SEC is the middle of October. So October 16, 17, 19, that's when we're going to see the next round of approval, denial, or delay. My money's still on delay. Personally, I feel like they're just going to keep dragging it out until the last possible moment and then potentially approve it. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Maybe Mike Novogratz really does have that inside source and they're really signaling to him, yeah, dude, it's coming. It's coming any day now. Be ready. That would be big. That would be very, very big because that means the Bitcoin ETF will be coming in six weeks approximately after the approval date. And they're all going to get approved at the same time, right? As soon as they approve BlackRock, they have to approve all the other ones, which are basically the exact same applications, It'd be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty crazy, guys. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for those uh, mid-October deadlines from the SEC to, again, either approve, deny, or delay. My money's still on delay, but I hope I hope Mike Novogratz is right. Be right, Mike Novogratz. Be right. Also, a little bit of fun Bitcoin data to share. So Arkham has identified 948,000 Bitcoin on-chain this month with about $25 billion sitting in Coinbase's BTC reserves, making Coinbase the largest identified BTC entity at the moment with nearly 5% of the existing total of Bitcoin. Now, the reason I bring this up is because of all organizations, Coinbase is the one that works with all the big boys. They're working with BlackRock. They're working with Fidelity, right? They sell their they sell Bitcoin to Michael Saylor. Now, this has seen a big increase, if we are correct in this wallet, is that a lot of Bitcoin has come into Coinbase. Does that mean that BlackRock's already been buying? Probably. Do we have any evidence for that yet? Not now, but I'm sure at some point things will come out of the work. We got to remember. 
BlackRock trying to get a Bitcoin ETF, right? Obviously. But did you know that BlackRock has had a private Bitcoin fund going for a year now? So knowing that they were going to apply for a Bitcoin ETF, all of their private fund clients have been able to be buying Bitcoin, probably being stuck with Coinbase custody for the last year. All of BlackRock's big money guys have been able to front run the Bitcoin ETF announcement because they would have called them up. And this is how the conversation would go. Yo, Bob, hey, BlackRock dude here. Listen, we are going to uh, be applying for a Bitcoin ETF next year. We got a Bitcoin private fund right now. Can I put you down for a million bucks? Because when we get this ETF approved, that shit's going to go to the moon, brah. I doubt uh, BlackRock sales team actually talks like that, but you guys get the point, right? Uh, this is how it works. This is how the game is played. Come on. Come on. You know this. We know this. Okay. And before we get into the Ethereum news, just a quick shout out. If you are a cryptocurrency trader, you need yourself an account over at Bybit. It's the best damn place to be doing your trading. If you want to trade futures, if you want to trade exotic spot altcoin markets, if you want to do copy trading, they got you covered. And you use that link down below in the description to start your account and you have up to $30,000 in deposit and trading bonuses, depending on how much you deposit, how much you trade, as well as exclusive fee discounts. Again, this is for trade. If you're just a long-term stack and hold investor, probably not, not your cup of tea. But if you are actively trading these markets, this is the place you want to be. Now, let's talk about Ethereum, man. JP Morgan is disappointed. Oh, poor JP Morgan's disappointed, guys. Yes, a report from JP Morgan says Ethereum activity since the Shanghai upgrade has been disappointing. I mean, it's a bear market, guys. What do you... Come on, JP Morgan analysts, man. What do you guys expect? It's a bear market, baby. Until otherwise proven. Of course, we're in the accumulation phase of that either bear market or you want to call it the earliest stages of the bull market. Either way you want to look at it. Late bear, early bull, kind of the same crap, kind of the same emotional patterns, the same accumulation patterns, the same price action, all this kind of stuff, regardless of where we are in that cycle. JP Morgan's not impressed. Jamie Dimon is not impressed. I guess Jamie aped in a whole bunch of uh, ETH and then put in a call to his team like, guys, what's going on here? Somebody get the CEO of Ethereum on the phone. Vitalikus, the call not the CEO of Ethereum, but you guys you know, know what I'm saying. Okay, uh, interesting. They did share some interesting data here about why they are disappointed. So let's have a quick look at that. So things like the market cap for Ethereum. Yeah, okay, market cap's down. Yeah, surprise. Daily transactions on the Ethereum network also down. Okay, yep, no surprise there. Total stake Ethereum's up 50%. I mean, that's a super bullish metric when you actually understand the reality of the fact that there's, um, they had 27 million here, but actually we're closer to 28 million now. Total stake Ethereum. It's two year exit queue right now to get all that ETH out of the uh, staking contract. That's pretty damn substantial, if you ask me. Ethereum supply is down 0.18%. So we burned 300,000 ETH in the last year. Substantial, not insane, but substantial. Daily active addresses on the network down 20%. Yeah, it's a bear market, man. Not many people are doing as much stuff on chain. Still huge activity. Realistically, it's still pretty damn big activity. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real, guys. We are seeing huge amounts of activity on chain in spite of the bear market. And that's just on Ethereum, right? If you look at the other networks, we're seeing huge amounts of activity 
on uh, layer two networks. We're seeing huge amounts of activity um, right across the blockchain space. In fact, we've had multiple months now where we've had record highs of on-chain users. That's very, very significant to point out. Uh, total value locked in Ethereum, measured in Ethereum, down almost 8%. On Arbitrum network, down 16%. On the Optimism network, down 20%. Now, worth keeping in mind, where's that Ethereum going? Well, it's going into the staking contract, looking for lower risk opportunities. So that's part of the conversation there. So to an extent, without actually saying where that ETH went, from the DeFi total value locked to where? My guess, a lot of it to the staking contract, but a lot of it also going to ZK Sync, to the base network, to Starknet, et cetera, et cetera, chasing these new chains, these this new hype stuff going on in the space. So just those numbers alone paint a picture that's not perfectly clear, to be honest. Yeah. Daily active addresses on Arbitrum down dramatically, actually down 60%. Uh, daily transactions by DAP on Arbitrum down 30%. Uh, optimism, catching a bit of that traffic up a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of interesting statistics there. JP Morgan, don't trust them, guys. Don't trust JP Morgan. Here's an interesting bit of news for you, by the way. Speaking of Arbitrum, Chainlink's CCIP is now live on Arbitrum. Cool. Chainlink CCIP, man. Game changer for the crypto space, potentially. My crypto bags hope that it's going to be. Obviously, got a big fat bag of Chainlink. Hoping that, yes, it will be a game changer for, well, the crypto space. And, of course, when you see the partners behind it, also very, very interesting. Also very interesting. So, as always, if you want to know what I have in my portfolio, as well as, of course, guys, investing in cryptocurrency is risky shit. In case you haven't figured it out yet, you could lose all your money at any time, whether it be from a hack or a shit coin going to zero. You'll find a full risk statement as well as what I have in my portfolio in the description of this conversation. So check it out if you're interested. Now, Ethereum network fees. This is very interesting. And, and again, just a sign of the times here. Ethereum network fees have dropped down to its lowest level of 2023 at just $1.15 per transaction. I mean, yay for us using the, the Ethereum network. That's a good thing. Historically, we see utility begin rising as ETH becomes more affordable to circulate. So maybe this brings more activity back into the chain. But the day will come again because we have not fixed the underlying realities for Ethereum yet. But the day will come again when we are all paying $50 to $100 to do a swap on Uniswap again, which is not great which is why Layer 2 is going to be so popular, which is why Solana is going to be popular, which is why Polygon is going to be popular, et cetera, et cetera. Ethereum still needs to fix some very, very key things. Not a bearish statement on Ethereum. It's just a reality. They need to bring those main net on-chain fees down dramatically because the underlying issues have not gone away. We've just seen a drop-off in users. That's the biggest thing happening right now. Though... This is super freaking bullish, if you ask me. This, I love this chart. Total Ethereum on-chain, oh, sorry, on-chain, on-exchange, total Ethereum on-exchanges keeps falling. It's now at the lowest level in years. Just under 15 million. That's insane. So we've seen it go from 32 million, dropping by more than 50% since the crash of the COVID stuff back in the day. We've now come all the way back down, all the way back down here. Pretty crazy stuff. 
15 million coins, more than 50% drop. And as mentioned, we have 28 million, almost 28 million ETH sitting in the staking contract and a two-year exit queue for that. Then we have spot Ethereum ETFs coming. I mean, I am not a, a math doctor here, guys, but I, I look at this. You take balances on exchanges falling plus Ethereum staking contract, new all-time highs. And what's that equal? Well, we can actually add spot Bitcoin ETFs in there. I think that equals M-O-O-N. That spells moon. Yeah. I really think so. I, I look at all this stuff lining up for Ethereum and look, I know Ethereum has its issues with fees and stuff like that, guys. I'm very well aware. I use Ethereum all the time. I can afford to use Ethereum on layer one. The reality is that stuff needs to be fixed, but Ethereum also has the biggest damn moat around it. And all these layer twos actually increase the moat around Ethereum. They build the fortress, the castle of Ethereum that other networks like Solana, for example, need to assault, so to speak, in terms of getting market share now, whether they capture new market share from people that come into the market or one takeaway market share from people who are already in the market and looking for a better experience. Either way, Ethereum does remain the big daddy of the smart contract platform world for this time. And with that reality understood, we have on-exchange balances cratering. 28 million ETH stuck in the staking contract and spot Bitcoin, Ethereum, ET, or spot Bitcoin, spot Ethereum ETFs coming, well, any time in the near future. So just a question of when, just a question of when. I don't know when that when is, but I look at the fundamentals here and whether those fundamentals take a shorter or longer amount of time to play out. My personal opinion is that they will play out. And I, of course, have my Ethereum bags ready and waiting for that potential reality to play out. So we'll see when it happens. But definitely, I think that we will see some very, very bullish catalysts coming together for Ethereum in the next market cycle that will see it go out to a new all-time high. Now, final story for the conversation here before we open up the floor for your questions. And it's a cautionary tale. I feel like I've been doing a lot of cautionary tales recently, whether from Coinfessions or from just the hacks that are going on and all the rest of it. But here we go. Dogecoin millionaire's fortune fell from $3 million to $50,000. But he hasn't lost the faith. Of course he hasn't. Of course he hasn't, man. That dude's holding a big fat bag of Dogecoins. And faith is all he's got left at this point. True. Look, we've seen this play out so many times. And you know, I can personally say that previous market cycle, I left too much money on the table. I didn't take enough profits. Because I'd convinced myself to ignore the signal screaming in front of me, and I got myself wedded to a particular price target. Now, look, don't worry, guys, I did okay, right? But here's the thing: a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't take anything off the table. And I took a enough off the table, but I could have taken more. Some people don't take a damn penny off the table and they do a complete round trip. So this guy, this Dogecoin former millionaire, um, he did it well. He got in super cheap. Uh, maybe it was like, I don't know, 50,000 bucks or something he initially got into. <sighs> he saw that run all the way up to 3 million bucks, guys. It's crazy. Right back down. 
right back down, did a round trip on it, a round trip on your bag. And there's not a lot of great reasons to do that, to be honest, except the greed gets the best. I mean, the thing is, this dude obviously had no plan to sell. He'd built his identity around pieces of code on the internet with a picture of a dog attached to them. And that's a dangerous thing to do. You are more than the picture of a dog on the internet. You are more than the pieces of code that you invest in. They are not your identity. This pieces of code are not your friend. Okay, Dogecoin's not here to keep you warm at night. Dogecoin is not your buddy. Okay, the people in the community, they're not your buddies either. At the end of the day, there's only one person, one person, and that's you sitting in front of your computer deciding to either buy or sell things. All the bullshit you see online, none of it matters. All the memes you see online, none of it matters. What actually matters, what actually matters is that you ensure this next cycle that you cash the fuck out and that you take that money and you secure your financial freedom. You secure the future for your children. Right, You buy the best possible life that you can for your wife, and you make sure you have a clean home, a warm home, a safe home, that you live in a safe place, that you have good health care. All these, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You need to have a giant bag of freaking Dogecoin sitting around for. Don't build your identity around magic internet money. Play in the industry, work in the industry. Invest in the coins, make money, guys. At the end of the day, I don't care what people try to sell you. The reality is everybody's here to make money. Every single person is here to make money, except Satoshi, but Satoshi probably died before he could sell any of his Bitcoin. Everybody's here to make money. And you either make money or you don't. And if you're here to make money, which is why everybody's here. Oh, I know. We're here for the tech. I love the tech. The tech is why I invest in it. Because I think it's a super valuable piece of technology that has game-changing global impacts. Which is why I think the price is going to go up so much. And there's a lot of speculation between that statement and all the shit coins we might throw money into from time to time. But the truth is, unless you take your profits, the market is going to take them for you. And I hope that the Dogecoin millionaire next time will sell some money, sell some, sell some money, sell some of his Dogecoins and take some damn money off the table. Or he's just going to round trip it all again. And he'll go on podcasts when his big, his Dogecoin stacks worth $10 million. And oh, it's worth $10 million now. What do you think Dogecoin millionaire gonna say? Oh, I'm not going to sell this time. I'm, I'm the Dogecoin millionaire. And then he's going to be the Dogecoin broke ass again. What, what's the point? What's the point, guys? Come on. Come on. This is a highly speculative asset class. It's a high-risk asset class. It's an asset class where 90% or more, probably more of the coins are going to go to zero, usually within a very short time frame. Something like Dogecoin. Yeah, man, it's been around for years, and Dogecoin's probably going to be around for years, and Elon's probably going to put it on the X app, and maybe then this guy will have the chance to get out again. Will he? I don't know. We'll just go on podcasts and say, my identity is Dogecoin. I don't know. Guys, be good to yourselves, and being good to yourselves, self Therapy, self-healing, self-help is clicking the sell button at some point when you're millions of dollars in profits. 
Because if you don't click it, then when are you going to click it? When you're down 90%? Is that the time to sell? Don't know, man. Just dude talking about magic internet money here, but uh, this stuff is not super logical to me. You got to sell at some point. You got to sell at some point. I'm not saying I have to sell everything. Obviously, you can always keep moon bags and stuff. Like, imagine this dude. Imagine if he'd just taken a million dollars off the table. That's all. Just a million bucks, dude. A million dollars. That's all you had to do. Take you could have kept 66% of your Dogecoin, let it go to zero. Who cares? You made a million bucks, dude. Congratulations. You can still be the Dogecoin guy. Except now you can be the Dogecoin guy who made a million dollars. And so you can go around and say, yeah, I made a million dollars of Dogecoin. Yeah, I sold a bunch. Maybe we'll come back next cycle. We'll see what happens. This is fun. I made money. Instead, you're just, you were once a millionaire and now you're broke. It's not quite the same story, is it? And look, this guy obviously became famous. He got on some big podcasts. Um, I think it was a Graham Stephan and like meet Kevin. And these guys like interviewed him for whatever reason. But um, the truth is, unless you sell something, you're going to end up in this situation. Make the money, guys.